Amen. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood. That siren, I thought there was a child crying there for a moment. <laughs> Two of them. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 14, I want you to open your Bibles again. Verse number 12 is our text verse tonight. We'll look at verse number 12, and we'll look at verse number 8 throughout the message tonight. The Bible says in verse number 12, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Heavenly Father, I pause again to pray as I have many, many times this afternoon. And Lord, I ask that you'd fill me with your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would help me to deliver the message in a way that would be understood but not just with the intellect, not just with the mind, but may the Holy Spirit of God reveal it to our hearts in such a way that we would hear, not just to hear and know, but we would hear that we may do what the Word of God says. Meet with us, dear God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at verse number 12 as we go through it word by word. The Bible said there is a way. The word way means behavior. The word way means actions. The word way means ways of life. It means our philosophy, what we think about how we live our lives. There is a way which seemeth. The word seemeth is defined in these words, appears or is judged to be. Is judged to be. So the Bible says there is a way which seemeth there is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Now, the verse would read different if it said there uh, is a way which seemeth right, but the end thereof are the ways of death. The words unto a man is important because he is pointing out it may seem right to man and not be right with God. It may be right with man, but may differ from what the Word of God has to say. Then the Bible says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, man, but the end thereof. Not the beginning, not halfway through, but the end. One of the deceitful things about sin is it begins well. One of the deceitful things about sin, it continues well, and brings pleasure. But it's the end that is the way of death. And he says here, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. They are the road of death. Death is the opposite of life. Death is the opposite of right. Notice verse number 8, if you will, the Bible says the wisdom of the prudent. A prudent man is not someone that just goes along in how he feels, but he studies and he learns. The Bible says the wisdom of the prudent. This is the one that pays attention. This is the one that learns from experience. This is the one that pays attention to and weighs out and measures according to right. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. 
A wise man wants to know not only what direction he's going, he wants to know where this will end up in life. He wants to know how will this behavior end? How will this attitude end? What will this attitude bring me in life? What will this companionship or this fellowship with this group of people, what, how will that end in life? The prudent uh, works to understand his way. And then the Bible says, but the folly of fools is uh, deceit. It is sad today to watch men not just work to deceive others, but work to deceive themselves about sin. I've been a pastor of 34 years. I don't know how many times through the years I've had men say to me, I never did like the taste of alcohol. I would just drink because my friends were drinking. He didn't want to be left out. Didn't want to be a square. Didn't want to be different. I didn't, I didn't like tobacco, but that's what my friends were doing. I had no desire for drugs, but that's what my friend was doing. And folks are working to deceive themselves. Can I tell you, uh, Budweiser, Anheuser Bush, and all those crowd, uh, those uh, billboards are not the truth, they're deceit. And, and, and we all know that. We all know that's not how you end up in life. That may be how they advertise the beginning, but that's not the end. A prudent man works to understand his ways. Now, it's interesting to me as our message tonight is there is a way that seemeth right. It's interesting to me how many times in the Bible we find a use of the word seems. The word seems, seemed, or seemeth seems to have, uh, the definition is to have an appearance of truth or fact. Now here's the important statement. If I can have your attention to get a hold of this statement now, the word seemeth is always presented in the eyes of the judge or the eyes of the beholder, the one that is looking. The word seemeth is always connected to that individual. Notice the Bible said there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. It doesn't seem right to everyone, but it seems right to that man. When Satan appealed to Eve in the Garden of Eden, he appealed to what she thought was right. What seems right to you? If, you? if you eat of this fruit, you'll have wisdom knowing good from evil. And he convinced her that God was wrong and what appeared to be right, what seemed to be right, was right, but what seemed to be right ended up in what? Anybody with me tonight? Death. That's where it ended up. She didn't, she didn't become a god. That was the day of the beginning of her death. Take your Bibles and go to the book of Joshua chapter 9. Now, this is a long story, and I'm going to try to use it as an illustration quickly. As Joshua and the children of Israel were marching through the land of Canaan and conquering the land of Canaan, uh, they came to some people from Gibeon, G-I-B-E-O-N. Now, these people had heard of what Joshua and Israel had done at Jericho and at Ai, and they were afraid. They did not want 
uh, to be uh, killed. They didn't want to be taken captive. They didn't want to Joshua uh, to take their lives. And so they came to him and they tricked him. They put on old clothes and said, we're just poor uh, travelers and, and uh, we won't hurt you if you won't hurt us. And, and uh, they had Joshua convinced of that and he entered into an agreement not to destroy them. Now, it was later discovered who these people were and that they had connived and they had deceived. I want you to look at verses 24 and 25, and we're going to look at that word seemeth and how it's used. And they answered Joshua, Joshua 9, 24. Are you with me? And they answered Joshua and said, Because it was certainly told thy servants how that the Lord thy God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore we were sore afraid of our lives because of you and have done this thing. And now, behold, we are in thine hand as it seemeth good and right unto thee, do unto us. You know what they were saying? We don't want you to do what's right to do. We want you to do what seems right to you. And he was telling Joshua, you are the authority. Now here's why I use that illustration. We all like to be right. All of us do. I like to be right. You like to be right. Somebody ask our opinion about something, you say, well, it seems to me. And, and the truth is there are times uh, that opinion is all right uh, that comes from experience. But when it comes to a matter of right and wrong of what thus saith the Lord in the Scripture, it doesn't matter what seems right to me. What matters is what the Word of God says. Now, if somebody comes to you and says, well, I heard this preacher preach, and he said this, I just don't hardly agree with that. I can't understand that. What do you think? Can I tell you, friend, I don't ever want to step in God's place and say, well, you don't have to listen to God. You can listen to me, and here's what seems right. The word seems is always connected to the one that is recognized as the authority. May I say, I hold in my hand the final authority. This is God, this is God's Word, this is uh, God, uh, the flesh and of Christ and the Word of God are the same. Now, go back to our text and notice the wording again. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Let me give you this illustration. Lot received word that Sodom and Gomorrah was going to be destroyed because of their sin. And so Lot went to his family, and the Bible says that he warned his family of the coming destruction, and they needed to get out. Here's what the Bible said. Lot seemed as one that mocked. You know what that means? It appeared to them because of the life that Lot had lived, it appeared to them uh, that uh, Lot was just making fun. He was just making light of their wickedness, of their immorality. And when he said, you need to get out, God's going to destroy it. 
They just laughed at him because it seemed as one that mocked. Now let's go back to verse number 8 again and recognize the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is his deceit. I ask you this question for application tonight. I ask you this question that we may do what the Bible says to do in James chapter 1 that we're to hear the word of God to do. I ask you tonight, are we living in a way that seems right to us or are we living in harmony? Are we living in tune with the word of God? I didn't say, are we living in tune with the times? I didn't say, are we living in tune with the, listen to me now, look at me. I didn't say, are we living in tune with the culture? I didn't say, are we living in tune with what's popular? I didn't say, are we living in tune with the top 10 charts? I said, are we living in tune with the word of God? Now there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now, I don't know about you, when I got eternal life, I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to enjoy it. I want to enjoy it right now. I want to live in the ways of the Word of God that I can enjoy life, I can enjoy my marriage, I can enjoy my family, I can enjoy the work of the church. I started listening to preaching. I'm talking about paying attention to preaching, the preaching of God's Word as a young man. As a teenager, I got serious about paying attention to what the preacher was saying. I, 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 uh, I got serious about taking every truth and working to understand that truth and then applying that truth to my life. I would take that scripture, that passage of scripture, I would read it again, I wanted to understand it, and I basically started outlining sermons when I was a teenager. I wouldn't outline my own, I would outline the preachers that preached and make it an application to my life. I started paying attention. I was a teenager in the late 70s and through uh, into the mid-1980s. And in those days, there was a battle going on about the Word of God, about the Bible. You see, there were new Bible versions coming out every year. America was founded. This book is a part of the Library of Congress I hold in my hand uh, the King James 1611, that's what I have tonight. Now, now that's what America was founded upon. And by the way, you can trace this back to the pure roots, unlike that of the New International Version and others that were coming from the Westcott and Hort corrupt text. And that's not my purpose tonight to go into that detail, but to say one of the things that first caught my attention with this, uh, this, these new Bibles that were coming out, and there would be a word change here and a word change there. And of course, there's not just a few. The New International Ver Version has 2,000 either omissions or changes. Now, if I bought a car that was missing 2,000 pieces, I'd take it back and get a good one. That would apply to our Bibles. There was also a battle taking place about the rebellion that had begun in the 60s. Now, think with me. We've not seen a revival in America, maybe in places but we've not seen a revival in America like we did in the 1950s. And I'll not re-preach a message I preached a couple of weeks ago. But in the 1960s, there was just a public rebellion that took place. It appears that it started from music that rebelled against the basic and simple uh, practices of obedience to authority. Whether it was the parent, whether it was the teacher, whether it was a police officer, no matter who it was, there was a rebellion about that. It was the Beatles and groups like that that began to make light of 
small sin. Are you listening to me? Just, just small things. All of this that was going on in the 1960s, this rebellion, and in those days, boys were growing their hair long, and they referred to them as hippies, and girls started wearing their miniskirts, and, and uh, things were changing like we'd never seen in America. By the way, all that took place under the name of peace. Another banner was love. We gotta love everybody. Now, friend, that kind of love is not the love the Bible is talking about in John 3.16. John 3.16 is talking about those that are condemned to death because of their sin. And God does love the whole world. And any man can be forgiven of his sin who come to Christ as his Savior and repent and, and by faith uh, trust Christ as his Savior. But all of that rebellion came to America and it was accepted because it came under peace and love. You remember the peace signs? One fellow said he bought a 1970 Volkswagen van. We got it home. He opened the back door and there's still two hippies in it. I don't know if that's true or not, but the new music was a part of that culture. When they sang about peace and they sang about love, they didn't put obedience, but they would put little statements of rebellion with the peace and rebellion with the love. And those that would preach against those sin, they would say, you just don't love people. This all led to the sexual revolution. Adultery and fornication became the norm, and it replaced the sanctity and the commitment of marriage. Social programs introduced for children and teenagers and families to the place today, friend, folks believe that if they have children, it is the government's responsibility to educate them, feed them, and clothe them. That, that's just their mentality. That's what seems right to them. Are you with me? Welfare exploded as working men were replaced with lazy bums and wouldn't work. Abortion became legal and it seemed that the commitment of marriage was no longer necessary, required, or expected because uh, the unborn babies that were a result of the adultery and fornication, uh, they were killed, they were taken away. By the way, that was the beginning, the beginning of a great mental health problem in America. I don't have time to go into all of this, but I want to tell you I've talked to enough people who have gone through abortion thinking that it was the right thing because that's what seemed right. That's what seemed right. Uh, but, the, but the mental and emotional anguish that came as a result of that because friends, you and I did not evolve from lower animal life. You and I were crea created in the image of Almighty God. A multitude of unnatural and immoral behaviors began to be promoted as if there were no standards of morality and decency anymore. It started with things that we'd never heard of before, unnatural behaviors as they began to talk about homosexuality. And the only reference I'd ever heard of that was a negative connotation as in the Scripture and totally against what God had said. But it didn't end there as sin is never satisfied. The only thing that satisfies sin is death. It went from that to now LGBTQ and I don't know how many more letters they've added to it. 
And every step along the way, every generation continued to do what seemed right to do in their own eyes. Last week we were disappointed that even so-called conservative judges see no lines of morality and accepting this kind of behavior as normal. These folks didn't see themselves as rebels. They saw themselves as pioneers doing what was right to do in their eyes. It surprised me, but there came a new brand of preaching like I'd never heard before. And please stay with me. Using those new Bible versions, they joined in chorus with the professors. And rather than preaching the Word of God as it is, they began to say, it just doesn't seem right that a loving God would send anyone to a devil's hell. It doesn't seem right that God would make someone burn in hell forever. It just doesn't seem right that there can only be one Bible. It just doesn't seem right that God really didn't mean this when he said this. And they began to give sin names that reclassified the sin as a sickness rather than a sin, and the individual rather than a sinner became a victim of a sickness. You feel for folks who have a sickness. The schools kicked out prayer and Bible reading and replaced it with evolution and what seems right to men. And today our nation is inching toward the sentence of death, riots, protests, In that little section of Seattle, there was a murder this morning. The police officers responded. There was a half a dozen, maybe ten. They were not allowed to carry pepper spray. They were not allowed to carry anything that would upset the folks inside, the new little nation of rebellion. And a group of protesters stopped the police threw rocks and bottles at them until they got back in their cars and left, and a 19-year-old black young man lay in the street and bled to death. I'm not talking about Russia. I'm not talking about China. I'm not talking about a communist country. I'm talking about Seattle, Washington. I'm talking about the United States of America. Looters destroying businesses with no sense of responsibility. Buildings being burned with no fear of any, of any uh, uh, time in jail or prison or any payment for that. Abortion by the tens of thousands. Protesters and behaviors of insanity. Have you folks read who Aunt Jemima was? Has anybody read? How many of you read the story of, of uh, uh, Mrs. Nancy Green? Some of you have. Nancy Green was born in Mount Sterling, Kentucky in 1834. And yes, she was a slave. Later, being freed, she went to Chicago as a cook. Because of her good food, her pancakes and syrup and other things, she was approached by a company to be a salesman for that company. Nancy Green traveled the world. She went to the World's Fair making her pancakes and syrup. 
She was loved by everybody that knew her. She died in Chicago as a result of a car wreck at the age of 88. She was a founding member and helped to start the Olivet Baptist Church, a King James Bible preaching church. And her own children, or her own descendants, I should say, are in disagreement with what's going on. They did not see her being mistreated as a uh, mistreated in some kind of a racist crime. They saw her as someone that was a hero that everybody liked uh, that knew her in those days. What's going on today is insanity. By the way, there are things in our past that we have learned from that were wrong. But I want to tell you something. When you destroy history, you have to repeat it. Can I tell you something? My father was not the most educated man in the world when it came to school and education. He was the smartest man I ever knew. When my dad would preach, he would say, you need to be born again. His handwriting was not the best. I have boxes of sermons at my house that I can barely read that my dad wrote, but I want to tell you when he stood to preach, there was no wondering what he said or what he meant to say, and there was no wondering if the power of God was on his life, and I wouldn't trade my dad for any man I ever knew in this world. We're foolish to want to erase our history. Congressman acting like school children mocking the president. AOC bragged this morning that she had worked to, with thousands of teenagers to sabotage the meeting of the president, the rally of the president in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Bragged about it. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi leading the charge of rebellion in the fashion of a Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Zidonians. While some may want to reduce what's going on in our nation today to be just a political disagreement, I want to say tonight it's nothing less than the forces of evil working to take this nation over and to get rid of God and His Bible and anyone who desires to worship Him in truth. And I want to tell you, our nation is coming once again to a crossroad and one of these days we're going to come to the final crossroad and perhaps what we're facing just ahead is the final crossroad of our nation. We can either follow those that are doing what seems to be right to them or we can get back to the Word of God and do what God says to do. Can I tell you, abortion may seem right to some, but it's against this old book that I hold in my hand tonight. Adultery may seem right to those who want it to be right, but it's against this old book that I hold in my hand tonight. Promoting protests and riots and working to close down or to limit the size of church gatherings uh, may seem right to a man, but it's against that old book that I hold in my hand. Destroying history and telling people that it never happened may seem right, but it's against that old book. I'm glad for the history of that Bible. I'm glad I know the history of Elijah, but I'm glad I know the history of Ahab and Jezebel too. I'm glad I know the history of Elijah, but I'm glad I know the history of the wicked king so I know what to run from and what to stay away from. We learn from what's happened in our past. 
Our homes are in shambles across this country tonight. Fatherless children, fathers and mothers not knowing their roles and their responsibilities, bringing children into the world without even thinking about their responsibility to care for their children, uh, rearing children for the government to feed and clothe and to educate. It's a sad day. And if we don't get back to using the Word of God as a compass and a guide, and stop doing what seems right. Doesn't matter what seems right in the church. What matters is what God's Word says to the local church. I do not think our nation, I'm closing, I don't think our nation can survive. Leadership to the likes of a Biden and Pelosi and a AOC and a Schumer and the anarchists, those who call looters patriots. Governor Cuomo said, I'd like for somebody to show me where you're supposed to protest peaceably. The answer is of the First Amendment. It's right after where you stopped reading. It's the First Amendment. It's right after where you stopped reading. Folks, that crowd will put a preacher like this in jail for hate crimes. And you know it's true. And I'm concerned tonight about our country. I have a fear tonight. Righteousness always wins. I don't want to go the way of ruin. I want to go the way of revival. What can we do? Number one, we must pray before God as a righteous child of God. When God looked down on this world and it repented God that he'd even made man I love what the Bible says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. As he looks over this county and he looks over your house and mine, may he find a house that's doing right, may he find people that's living right, may he find people that's working in their life to have holiness and righteousness in their life. God can get the attention of this nation in short order if enough of God's people will get a hold of God in prayer. This virus that we've gone through is nothing to what God can do overnight to get the attention of this nation. I say tonight, pray before God is a righteous child of God. Number two, read his book to obey it. Forget what seems right in my eyes or yours. Let's see what God says. Our theme this year is 2020 vision. That's seeing things the way God sees it. That means fathers ought to do what the Bible said and mothers ought to do what the Bible says and that children ought to do what the Bible say and we need to understand that we're going to obey the word of God as it's given. Third of all, we have to stand for truth and right. Now, here's what I believe right now. I believe the majority of folks are watching the rioters and looters. And that right people are still doing right. And I preached two weeks ago, maybe three, I still believe in America. I still believe in America tonight. I don't know about you, but I don't have a coexist bumper sticker on the back of my car. I said, I don't know about you, but I don't have a coexist sticker on the back of my car. Righteousness exalts a nation, not compromise. Righteousness exalts a nation, not coexisting with wickedness. I'm saying tonight, pray for your country as a righteous child of God. Read his words to obey it. Number three, let's stand for truth and right. Let's teach our children right. Don't give in to the crowd. Don't say everybody's doing it. Everybody's not doing it, and we ought to do what's right to do. The Bible says, 
There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof. We're seeing 60 years later what happens at the end of a generation, at the end of the 60 years. We're coming toward that 70th year, that generation, and we're seeing the end of it. We saw a multitude of folks die of drug overdose in recent years. What seemeth right to a man, the Bible says, ends in death. I'm glad that the statutes of God brings joy and rejoicing to my heart. Bow your heads, if you will, please. I'm finished preaching.